everybody, welcome to another episode of MTG Ranch, brought to you by Barrister and Man. As always, I'm Tanner Grace. Uh, I'm going to be joined by Ross Merriam, as always. But we got a special guest for you today. Mark, say hi. Hi. Everybody at home, this is Mark Nestico. Uh, go ahead and, for people who maybe didn't hear the show that we did with you months ago, um, you know, again, welcome back. Thank you. And uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Um, I am a current card vendor and buyer and seller through Twitter. Uh, I used to write for Star City Games and TCG Player, and uh, that's about it. I was a very mediocre Magic player. I got to play on Pro Tours, and I got to live my dream, and I was just like uh, like a kid in a candy store. That's about it. I must say, I identify with you really well when you say stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that describes my entire career in Magic. I'm a mediocre Magic player that had a few little highlights here and there. Yeah, <laughs> so. I mean, you only need a few highlights to be better than everybody else anyway, so you know, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Ross, how are you doing today? You doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing well. Good. It's a normal day. <laughs> I got you. Anything, anything been going on lately? No, got to watch the basketball game last night. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, glad the Bucks won. I was definitely rooting for them over Phoenix. So, you know. Do you, is it your hate for Chris Paul? Has it run that deep? I just started becoming annoyed by the entirety of the of the narrative around the Phoenix team like nothing any media outlet or anyone said about them made any sense if you paid attention to the actual basketball on the floor and it just started infuriating me and made me hate them by association gotcha 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 <laughs> all right well, I don't want to like isolate Mark too much here because I don't know much of a, a of a uh, NBA fan he is but it does actually, so we got quite a bit of uh, questions from some people on our Discord and our Twitter, Sweet. and this actually leads into one, so I'm going to go ahead and ask it now. Um, someone asked, since, you know, Ross is such a big NBA fan, talks about, you know, the, the Roanoke Basketball League that they formed and everything, uh, they wanted to know, Mark, how's your hoop game? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it as bad as we think it is? Like, is it grossly oh, yeah. bad? I've lost my knees when I was, like, in my mid-20s from serving uh-huh. tables so long. So, I mean, there's... There's nothing there for me. I can I can play around the world. I'm pretty good at that, but that's about as far as it goes. So, what, what what game is around the world? Is that where you just have to hit shots from every spot on the court? I don't know what this is. Yeah, you have to hit shots from like various parts of the three point arc. Oh, okay. So it's like Horus, but from certain. Okay, I get it. I get it. Um, I gotta I gotta know this. So when you say that you're bad, are you just like actively bad? Or are you one of those people who like tries really hard and you're just like you know not good and it makes it even like worse? I mean, I could try and it would be even worse, but I know I'm terrible, so there's not even a there's not even an incentive to try. It's just you just lean into it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, somebody's going to juke me, my ankle's going to break and then I'm going to become a human highlight reel and that's yeah, that's the end of it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I'm like actually cuz like, you know, you and I have known each other for quite a while. I'm like envisioning you doing something like that cuz I don't know, don't think it's the wrong way. I don't know if I've ever seen you do anything athletic before in my life you know like yeah. usually we're we're around each other we're having dinner or like playing cards you know so we're sitting down somewhere so i'm trying to imagine you because like i it would blow my mind you know if we were just in roanoke for something or like we we're all together somewhere in a in a pickup game comes up and you just like pull this Allen iverson somebody you just like cross over somebody and like <laughs> you know get, get like a layup and just break someone else's ankles and i would just laugh my ass off no 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 i would uh within two minutes i'd be gassed and that's you know that's my own fault for not working out nearly as much as I used to. Uh, I got the COVID twenty, so 
Well, you sound like a perfect candidate for the Roanoke Basketball League. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there's a few, there, I found out the only rules for the Roanoke Basketball League is uh, you can't play defense, you can't call fouls, and you can't make the uh, you can't make your opposing defender work too hard. So it sounds like a league that you'd be great, you and I would be great for, because I have the same problem. I'd be gassed really fast. Yeah, if there's drinking afterwards, if it's like we play for 20 minutes and then nobody has fun, and then we're like, it's time to drink and you know get drunk and play ping pong, like that, <laughs> <laughs> that one, that's for Ross. Uh, it's it's you know, if it's like the order of the stonecutters, then then we're in good shape. But if it's not, we're in trouble. We usually play for an hour, hour and a half, but then there is drinking afterwards. How do See, you, that's it. How do you honestly play for an hour and a half? There's no way y'all are in that good of a shape. Is there like a rotation going on or? Depending on how many people we have and we're not playing that hard. Oh, okay. Okay. And you're playing half court, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, if you're playing full court, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, why are you we, doing that? We played full court once. It was a big mistake, right? <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. We were like, never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> Not something I want to do all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and before we get into the heavy stuff on the uh, on the show today, Mark, uh, how's how's life going? I know you uh, you recently purchased a, a home, right? And I know you've got you know your kid and your wife and stuff like that. So how's everything going? It's going well. We're actually in the process of uh, of purchasing. So that's what it is. That, okay. That's going to be soon. Um, we saved up a bunch of money, so that's that's going to be happening probably sometime this year. Um, kid is doing great. He's about to turn four. Wife is fantastic. Uh, she puts up with my shit and. That's all she really needs to do, and it, you know, that's a, that's about that's a job in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, full time. Oh, yeah, trust me, I'm I'm, a, I'm aware. <laughs> I'm in the same boat when it comes to stuff. All right, let's just get, let's just dive right in. So, like, the the biggest thing I think when people if they if they know you uh, for, from Twitter or anything like that, if if they knew you in the last like what about you've been doing this for about a year and a half now. Yeah, so if they've if they've come to know you from this instead of like your series of writings for you know like I remember you from Star City Games and why your deck sucks you know it's like some of my fondest memories of you just uh, I love that you got like the you probably had like the highest uh, interaction rate of a writer at Rested you were one of the highest ones because like people either really loved your shit or like real you were like the Howard Stern oh it was oh. the highest <laughs> there's no doubt about that. Uh... I remember a few articles getting like 500 or so comments mm-hmm. uh, back when it, they had the comment section. Yeah, yeah, it was. I'm pretty sure I'm like the reason they turned it off. Uh, <laughs> like if, if I had to, if I had to guesstimate, uh, some of my your fondest memories, some of my fondest death threats. You know, oh, those were, okay, those were my favorite. I would get the people that would be like, "When I see you at the next event, I'm gonna kill you for making fun of my dick." Yeah, it's like I can't believe you said something that bad about Murphy or the Pearl Trident. Come yeah, on, that's un- yeah, that's that's unreasonable. So I'm mm-hmm. gonna counteract your argument by beating you to death with my magic bag. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, it- interesting stuff there. Uh, but you know, this kind of um, it- was this a thing that kind of happened organically, or did this happen out of like necessity when you were coming out of the pandemic? I know, you know, you know, you were you were a fine dining server. And that's kind of a, a profession that really suffered, especially really early on uh, with the pandemic. Yeah, I was out of work uh, for a few months. Uh, thankfully, I had savings, so it wasn't like mm-hmm. I, I got obliterated. Um, so I was fine. But uh, it, it the whole selling cards thing started as a gimmick. And, you know, my buddy was like, hey, man, you want to sell some cards on Twitter, make a few extra bucks? And I was like, sure. So we, we posted some pictures of some stuff on Twitter and... Like, about maybe about 1500 bucks in cards. We were real small potatoes then. Like, we had, like, three Snapcaster mages, thought we were the shit. 
Yeah. Like, you know, we were, we were like, oh my God, it doesn't get any better than this. Like, we got to drop a honey once. You know, that, that was worthy of a steak dinner for us. But, uh, it just started as a gimmick. It started as, as like a, he needed to move some cards because, you know, LGSs were hit incredibly hard oh, by, yeah. by the mm-hmm. pandemic. Uh, a lot of, a lot of good stores shut down. And, you know, he had some employees and he didn't want to do that. So, you know, he gave me the keys to about 1500 bucks in cards. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, because of my, my following from my Serving Sucks account, um, I was I had a lot of crossover Magic fans. And I was able to parlay that into just selling those cards. And he's like, well, let's try that again. Like, you know, let's do 2000 bucks in cards. And the next day, I, I remember within the first hour, I told my wife, I was like, I just sold $700 in cards. And she was like, that's crazy. And then it just, and then within like an hour, all $2,000 in cards were gone. And we started to think like, is this something like we can do this? Yeah. Like it felt like there was something there, like Liz Lynn mm-hmm. and, and Missouri magic, like they had been selling on Twitter, mm-hmm. but it was a very open space for somebody that would do it full time, basically. And yeah, that was a thing, right? Is I I feel like you know because you mentioned uh, Liz Lim, was it uh, Walla Deals? I think was the name of, of yeah. the account. And you know Missouri MTG with his you know his grab bags are unbelievably popular. Like if you're if you don't respond within five seconds, like you're not getting one. Yeah. Um, I feel like you were the first person to like really really lean into it, you know, and take this this thing. And I think it was just kind of like a perfect storm, right? Like, do you think it was just purely the pandemic, like really pushing this as like the way to go, and then. I mean, it's just kind of become a thing of its own and run away with it now, right? Yeah, like, we marketed ourselves as your LGS because mm-hmm. people just didn't have one anymore. So from when we first started in May until, you know, roughly, like, March of, of this year, March, April, stores started finally opening up a little bit. And um, I know some stores were opened and they required masks, but we really wanted to lean into uh, the narrative that we were we were going to fill the gap that you were missing and somewhere where you could trade in cards for really good value, buy cards and get a a far more personal experience than you would get from, you know, buying from a big box store or Amazon or eBay. And the surprise factor most, it didn't come from selling the cards. It came from the response we got from how personal uh, we, we are able to, to make these deals happen. I think that's a really good point too, right? Because like, here's the thing, like I would rather buy from you than, you know, and nothing against these programs, but I'd, I'd rather buy from you than on eBay or like TCG. Cause like you said, it's so interpersonal. You don't know who these people are. And like, I'd even pay like a little bit more, like, you know, talking to you, knowing what I'm getting and knowing when it's being shipped out, when, when I should expect it like more readily. Does that make sense? You know what I'm trying to say here? Like, it's like you said, you have that personal touch to it and it's just, Something about the human element of it is something that had been missing from from online magic sales. Yeah, what what I do is is like it's it's actually just a part of my personality in the serving aspect. I when I say my three tenants are like make the customer right every time, like make sure the customer is taken care of every single time, make them happy every single time. Um, it, it, it's not a joke. Like, it's not a, haha, this is what Mark is saying to make sales. This is like a genuine aspect of my personality because for, you know, 20 years since I was 14 years old until I was 34, I, I served tables. I was a busboy. I was a manager. I worked in the kitchen. I did dishwashing. I did everything. And the 
elements that come from that are essentially, and it's not about the customer always being right. It's about the customer always being happy. And that's what we aim to do is create an experience that allows people to sell to us at a better rate than they would get from, from most big box stores and buy from us at a rate that's better than they would pay on TCG player per a card's condition. So like if a card's near mint, I'm not going to sell it at like 10 bucks when it goes for 40. But at the same time, you know, if it goes for 40 bucks, I'll sell it for like 35, 36 and do free shipping, you know, something like that. And do you feel that's like giving you an edge a little bit? You know, people know that they're going to get this kind of treatment from you and yeah, you're maybe operating at a smaller margin than the than the average seller, but you're more than making up on that quantity, right? Yeah, um, what we spend versus what we make is it's pretty ridiculous. Like I I, I won't go into numbers. Um, yeah, well, but, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But you know, we've done we've done over seven figures just mm-hmm. since the beginning of the year um, with our uh, with our buys and with our sales. Damn. Yeah, I'm like trying to understand, like the scope of that is like my brain is trying to wrap around it right now. I don't know if you can see the look on my face, but I was just a little blown away. Yeah. When you said, when you said that number. It's uh, it's not even an exaggeration or an embellishment. It's just the fact that we've taken in so much inventory. Uh, people trust me and I, I take <laughs> a lot of pride in that and I don't screw around with that. I don't, uh, there's a lot of transparency in my processes which, you know, like a an SCG or a TCG or a Card Kingdom or a uh, Troll and Toad, they don't have that. Like, you mm-hmm. put your cards on the buy list, and you get your your pay, your final payment, and there's no there's no room for discussion. You know, mm-hmm. if you put it in and it was a $2,000 buy, and they grade your cards, and they give you $1,100, that's the end of the ballgame. Like, that's yeah. all you're getting. That is it. There's no explaining. There's no... They send you, like, a little list that shows you what your card condition were. And some of these companies do, to their to their credit, have some of the best graders in in the country. But it's it's a pretty harsh pill to swallow when you when you know you're dealing with a company that their job is to make the biggest margin possible. They don't operate on a turn and burn type of of business model. So when company A is buying an underground C. Uh, at you know if it's hp at 300 dollars, well i'm buying it at 350 dollars, and i'm selling it for significantly less than the 700 dollars that they're selling it for even if it's hp um like we were selling underground seas this weekend for 575 hp are you kidding me nope that's we were, the lowest number i've seen in probably years yep we were selling card. uh we were selling hp tundras at, at 300 um and people were like, well, you must be buying cards for really shit prices. Like, that is the opposite of what we we do. Um, you know, I, I don't like to say this out loud, but I'll say it for your viewers. Um, people haggle with me, and I try to meet them at a certain point. If, if our final offer is, you know, if they, they sent in a buy and their final offer was, you know, it was a $2,000 buy, their final offer was, was 1400 and they're like, Man, I was really trying to get it fifteen hundred, or you know, or something like that. I'll talk to them and I'll say like, let me meet you in the middle. Like, let me do fourteen fifty for you, or let me do fourteen seventy five for you. And they're like, yes, I'll do that. And they tell their friends, and they right. tell their friends, and their friends tell their friends, 
And all of a sudden, since the beginning of the calendar year, we've done, and we're just we're just a local store. That's the thing. We've done about almost six hundred buys, mm-hmm. which you know, on since the beginning of the uh, of the year, it, we're averaging almost a hundred buys a month, and those range from two hundred dollars to we just did a ninety thousand dollar buy. We're working with a guy for a hundred and ten thousand dollar buy. We done a hundred and thirty thousand dollar buy recently. Um, and I know these are small potatoes for like some of the big box companies. They do this once a month or twice or three times a month collections of that magnitude. But, um, we're, we're a five person operation. Like that's, that's what it comes down to, you know, but, oh, that's cool. I just sold a jism to Jin. <laughs> a little live update. Yeah. All right. Hey, that's neat. Um, yeah, this guy just messaged me. He's like, yeah, I'll buy that. Uh, he's, he's actually on my Twitter right now. And he's he's like I'm looking at your Twitter, Ann. Um, that's funny. But like, do, uh, do you need do you need to go for a second? Take care of that. No, no, no. But but this is this is this is a live example of of what this is. And listen, I'll even read you a portion of this conversation so you know I'm not messing around. Um, we were selling a near mint uh, gin, very near mint, like absolutely gorgeous condition. We were going to sell it for three thousand dollars. This guy told me, you know. Uh, I, he, without my bid, it, it ended at $2,300 and the seller is going to net 2100 um, on the gin from an eBay sale. So we looked at the comp, we looked at the pictures of the thing and we said, you know what, let's do 2300 So all of a sudden this guy is like, I just skipped the line of an eBay sale and I just got a steal on a card. And now it's no longer about, now he's, now he's coming back. Well, I see you have a chains of Mephistopheles. I'm looking at, I'm looking for one of those too. So all of a sudden, this little sale, not a little sale, it was several thousand dollars, a couple thousand rather, I'm lying. But uh, it goes from, well, you gave me a really good price on this card. You came down where a lot of stores, you know, wouldn't wouldn't do that. The conversation's over once they tell you the price. Yeah, they're, they're like, like that's is, it. It's, it's, it's yeah. on it's on their website. It's that's the that's the end of the ballgame. If it's if it's on there, that's it. It's not changing. There's no calling up somebody and asking them if you can get it at a different price. It's just not happening. Um, you know, I'm looking on a website right now and their near mint English, uh, gin is $3,000. And then they're played, which is usually in the, is usually like in the LP area to MP, uh, is $2,500. So we just sold this guy a near mint gin at the same price that the big box company is selling a near mint. So we sold him this card at a played price, a near mint card. And we sat on it for a while. So the margins on it are pretty huge um, Mm -hmm. because we've had this card for about six, seven months. Prices fluctuate, obviously, but uh, you know, it's that ability to work with a, with a, with a guest, with a customer, with a client, that completely changes the dynamic of what people are willing to accept and what people are willing to uh, buy from you when you can show them that you can offer not just value, but compromise. No, absolutely. And like that builds value, right? Between you and the customer, like you become a valued source for them. You know, they're going to come back to you for their next buy. Like, you know, I think you're going to skip the line a lot of times in your own way where you know, instead of people bargain shopping everywhere, trying to find the lowest price, they're just going to come to you more often than not. 
Yeah. And you're going to get a lot of repeat customer type stuff that way. Yeah, we we have customers and and we don't treat anybody like they're whales. We don't, you know, treat anybody mm-hmm. like they are just dollar signs. We've had we've had people that have spent tens of thousands of dollars with us. I'm talking bought Power 9, bought, you know, uh big collector items. Big stuff, big yeah. collector items, things, you know, workshops and time vaults and 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 really, you know, foil monoliths, like really really high premium cards. Mm-hmm. And um we treat them with vast amounts of respect and we take extremely good care of them and they get deals off of me. Like you wouldn't believe now, like it, it's, it's obscene, but I had a gentleman the other day, um, you know, he, he's bought for me before and we wanted, uh, X amount on a Mox jet, he came back with a different number, and at, at the end of the day, this guy has spent so much money with me. I go, you know what? Your number seems fair to me. I know what I paid for this card. Let's do it. Mm. So, Absolutely. You know, yeah. I'm not making, I'm not making the the two thousand dollars that a big box store is, but at the same time, I'm making enough to pay. You know, I'm making enough to help pay rent and pay employees. And at the end of the day, that is what is most important: is keeping people employed. And and getting these cards into the customers' hands at an affordable, and uh, you know, just a justifiable price, and not a gouging price. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That leads me to a, another question on Twitter, real quick. This is gonna I'm gonna try to interject with them every now and then, kind of sure. like you know, break it up a little bit. Someone wanted to know, to the to the best of your ability, best guess, how many cards slash items do you think you've sold? Like oh, just ballparking. <laughs> I want to hear what you think your number is. Oh boy. Uh. So, I don't know what the average card number is per order, uh, but it, it's in the hundreds of thousands. It, yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of where it, I would it, guess. It's, it's certainly like, there are weekends where, um, you know, I do sales every two weeks, and um, there are weekends we'll get 250 orders where the average amount of card orders is five or six. It's smaller items. Uh, or we'll have a weekend like we had this week where it was uh x amount of of orders but our average sale was like you know several hundred dollars so it 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 really changes the the dynamic is not always the same but it uh it would definitely be in the hundreds of thousands and they had a bonus question this one's real easy uh when you're getting dressed do you put your socks on and then pants or pants and then socks pants and then socks pants and then socks all right who puts their socks on first some people are sociopaths, Ross. What are you doing? I don't know. You looked like you had a question there, Ross. Go ahead. No, I'm just confused. I've never even thought about doing that. It's like mm-hmm. giving yourself a hard time on purpose. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, uh, Bri- my friend Brian actually had a question that I think comes up a lot for, especially where you live, I live, and where Ross lives part of the year. It's definitely more important where, you know, you're, you're in base in South, like South, South Florida, you know, I'm in South Louisiana. Uh, so I wanted to know, how do you do, like, how do you do storage for most of your cards and how do you deal with uh, humidity and like, you know, the, the pringling that, that goes on? I think that's the phrase that people have been using lately. Yeah. You know, I say bent, but bent implies like almost like damaged, you know? Yeah. We, um, we keep them in the store. Uh, always, they're never taken out into the into the sun or humidity, except unless they're being transported to the post office. In which case, they're in uh, top loaders and sleeves to uh, prevent them from experiencing any kind of warping. Um, 
but yeah, it's just all about keeping them in a, in a in a dry and non-humid condition. If you if you can do that, then then you're fine. Uh, certain cards are going to Pringle no matter what. Like Commander Legend cards, there is, you know, you could go through the three week long process of putting like salt packets in in a box and hoping that that works. Um, but it's sometimes it's out of your control. But for the most part, you can you know it's it's harder with like older foils from like Mirrodin or Kamigawa since they've spent. 20 years being that way. Um, but it, you know, pretty much just, just take care of your cards. Just don't, just don't leave them outside in your car or something like that. All right. Uh, another question that we had here from Twitter. Uh, how can regular folks get the best value for their not bulk bulk? And they gave an example here to kind of like, you know, uh, elaborate on that. They're like, think about cards like impact trimmers. You know, I have stuff I'd like to trade, sell, uh, to get playables, but they find it harder to move than say, like you know, your your higher value stuff. Yeah, um, it, it's all about finding the right store that does the right trade in credit. Um, there are stores that do that do like twenty percent trade in credit. Uh, at the last TCG Con in uh, Tampa, we were doing thirty percent trade in credit, which people thought was you know just bananas, and our booth was booming the whole weekend just because one person says, "Oh, they're doing thirty percent," and another person tells them and so on and so forth. Um, regularly, we do 20% uh, on cards that are LP or better, which changes the dynamic a lot because a lot of these big stores, and you're going to hear me reference big box a lot because they are the enemy. Uh, but, you know, goddamn capitalists. Uh, but the... Uh, with with them, with these stores, and, and this is just to give your, your viewers some insight, um... A lot of these stores, they'll do X amount of trade-in credit per uh, per card. So if you have, let's say, a $7 card and they buy it, or that's a lot. Let's do a $10 card. And they buy it at uh, $7. If it's, it's 70%. And then they do uh, 30% trade-in value. Well, obviously, they're buying your $10 card at 10%, which sounds like an awesome deal, doesn't it? Like, that just sounds like the best deal possible. But... You have to take into, con into consideration a lot of these stores, as soon as a card is not considered near mint, that condition drops significantly. So you're talking about a card going from near mint, it's $7. Now it's, now it, it, if it's LP, they're buying it at, let's say, $6. So now you're getting $9 for your $10 card. Now let's say the card is MP, or what they consider MP. Now they're giving you $4.50 for your card. So now you're 30% on top of that as you're getting like $1.50. Now all of a sudden you're getting $6 maybe for your for your $10 card. If it's any worse than that, they're giving you like a dollar, which is one of the things that you don't you don't hear a lot, but but it's true. Um, they will, you know, they'll take your $10 card and they'll give you $3 for it. So now you're 30% on top of your $3 is, is 90 cents. So you're getting $3.90. So that's just some quick math. If I'm wrong and one of your listeners is like, he's not telling the right math. Well, I'm sorry. You know, you can live with it. Um, but R Ross, Ross is right here. He could, he could help you out with the math if you need it. I got you. It's probably, I mean, I'm just doing dummy math. Like I'm, I'm sure, not, yeah. I'm not yeah. good at math at all, but um, the best way to do it is, is a find a store that doesn't ding you for cards being LP. That's step one. Like when you sell to us, we give you 
the benefit of the doubt that the card is going to be bought at the same price as LP as it is at near mint. So if we buy a near mint underground C at uh, $475 and your LP is, is, is a good LP, it's not, you know, and if it teeters, it's fine. If it's LP, it's LP. We still buy that at $475. So that is a, a very big incentive for people to go to some of these different types of LGSs and, uh, you know, uh, competitors like me, because they, we offer just the straight up 70% if your card is LP or better on top of that, getting 20 additional percent trading credit. So the idea of 30% sounds like, oh my God, it's too good to pass up. But the implications of it and the, the, the reality and practice of it is, is very, very, very different than what you're actually getting. Gotcha. All right, let's break up the monotony of card talk here, and then we'll come. We'll circle back. Let me try to get some of the questions that aren't magic related as well in here. And uh, I think everyone can answer this one, but let's start with you, Mark. What's your favorite dish? Oh, um, it, you know, that's a loaded question because it, it's got to depend on what kind of mood I'm in. Like sure. my favorite food of all time are, are pork chops, like good thick bone in pork chops, are okay. just my absolute favorite thing. So you can almost bet like a pork chop is a good way to get me going. Uh, but then also like, you know, I, I really enjoy like, like Wagyu and, and uh, if you feel fancy or like celebratory or something. Yeah, yeah. Like I went to Charlie's and I got a, uh, like a Japanese Wagyu steak and it was like the best steak I've ever had. And it like melted in my mouth and it was, you know, it was just tremendous in every way. I have actually been to Charlie's. It was amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, like, is that my favorite steak I've ever had? Yeah. So it it, it just depends on what condition I'm I'm in at the moment. If you're LP or if HP I'm LP or, or better, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ross, what's your favorite dish? Um, probably you could go before you could go before and after if you want when you change to vegetarian. <laughs> I would I would generally say something Indian like chana masala, sag paneer, something like oh, that. Yeah. I also really like a good eggplant parm. Or like a, a good simple pasta dish. Um, do you do like fried eggplant parm now? Like when you get it, since you like you, you don't eat meat with it. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah, obviously it's eggplant. You're, you're generally I'm, supposed I'm, to fry yeah, the the yeah. cutlets. Um, <laughs> some some people don't bread them, but yeah, that that's what I meant. I in my mind, I knew what I was asking. It did not uh, come out of the mouth correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so so, what were you trying to ask? Don't worry about it. Let's just skip this. Okay. <laughs> now that I bumblefucked the whole thing. Let's, oh, yeah, yeah. Let's work on something else. Britt, don't edit that out. Leave that in there. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. I was going to say, if I had to have a favorite dish right now, I think everyone's heard me talk about it on the show before, but I'm just, like, super obsessed with, like, practically anything from Lotus as I am. Just anything kind of, like, uh, Thai. I'm a big Asian food fan. I love Italian. Oh, you know, That really Penang awesome. curry at Lotus oh, as I am is mm-hmm. unbelievable. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Mark, do you think you would ever go back to serving? If uh, like, do you ever miss it? You miss the relationships. You miss right. the regulars. You miss the camaraderie with your uh, with your empo- You know, your fellow servers. It's it's a in in certain different tiers of dining. It like in in the in the fine dining that I was in. It's really like a fraternity slash you know sorority slash you know whatever you would call it uh 
the the group is is very tight knit and everybody's there because they're very good at what they do. Uh, so I do miss those relationships because at the last restaurant I worked at, I worked with just the best people. Just I know everybody says that, but uh, I really it was in twenty years it was the best crew I've ever been a part of, and it was just it was it was it made the job so much better and so much more fun and and so much less. Uh, I mean, I hated it, but it's you know it 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 tempered my hatred. Mm-hmm. Do you ever uh, miss writing? And uh, what was your favorite thing to write about? Um, I loved doing the Wire Deck Sucks things because it made so many people angry. And I love mm-hmm. making people angry. Like, <laughs> you know, I used to say, as long as I make you feel something, it's it's that's what I'm aiming for. But the truth is, is like, all I wanted them to feel was anger most of the time. Like, why do I feel like you and I feel like you and Ross should make a joint Twitter account. It should be <laughs> like, why capitalism sucks. <laughs> That's just my Twitter account right now. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Why don't you stick? Why don't you stick to writing? You're not a <laughs> you're not a human who has feelings or opinions. Yeah, <laughs> you only exist to entertain me playing this game and tell yeah, me how to sideboard, yeah. dance, monkey so, dance. Like, <laughs> okay, I gotta ask you guys, what would be the shut up and dribble uh, equivalent for a magic player? Like, shut up and shuffle. Yeah, it's got to be shut up and shuffle. Yeah. Do, do you understand that reference, Mark? Yes. Okay, good. I was, say, I was hoping I wasn't making a joke and you're just like, what's going on? Nope. Like, <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. All right. Uh, back to the magic stuff. I think this is a uh, this is an interesting one that you have a good perspective on. Uh, at what point uh, are people pushing, uh, you know, th- you, it can't hurt to ask. Like, what point are you pushing that too far? Like, at what point have you done, are you just done listening to them? Um, you know, you're like, I'm over this, this person. So this this might sound like a lie but it's true i'm never over somebody i never okay. like i always will talk it out with them but there are there are certain people like they'll they'll you know this card is is five hundred dollars well can i get it for for 200 well no you can't but why <laughs> like i heard you make deals like i do make deals but i don't make i don't give the card away like yeah. that 500 hundred dollar card i probably bought for 300 you know so Let's do the right thing. Let's uh, mm-hmm. let's 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 make money and let's uh, you know. But I, I'm not going to outright tell them like you must be batshit crazy for what you're offering here. Uh, also, going back to the serving stuff a little bit, people wanted to know uh, when does your book come out? Uh, I I was writing a book. It was called Eat Me. Um, okay. <laughs> and it was it was called A Modern Guide to Being a uh, a Customer at a Restaurant, and. Uh, I it's one of those things where I, I'm so busy nowadays. I, I have a, a video game business too that I run, Dynamo Collectibles on eBay. <laughs> um, but uh, with the, especially with the cards, uh, I, I don't have I don't have time to do anything else. I, I play WoW for a few hours a day because it keeps me sane. But that's about it. Well, speaking of something else that you do in your spare time, because I know you do this every now and then, um, someone to ask. Have you ever been inspired to like make a deck or a commander deck from an order that you've seen from someone? Like you see them order a deck or order a bunch of pieces to it, and it like inspires you to do something like that. And if so, what was it? Um, so somebody sold a foil um, extended art magma opus, and I played that card. I got mythic with it uh, last month, like which is the first time I played arena in like a year. Like I, I'm good for getting mythic and then not playing for a year. That's like that's like my mo. Is just, get it out of your system. Just do, just yeah. do it. Just get it in a couple days and then move on with my life. But uh, 
I, I played Jeskai Opus, which was like, you know, it plays Magma Opus, it plays uh, Search for Azkanta, it, it plays um, uh, Mizzix Mastery, so you would play like, you know, it was cool, like, you'd play like a Magma Opus on turn three, and it, like, so somebody sold one of those, and I was, and I used to have a Mizzix deck that was like my favorite EDH of all time, and times got really hard back in like November of 2018, I think it was 2018, and uh, I had to sell it, and uh, you know I never got over it. And now that like my life is a lot more comfortable and I'm I'm doing a lot better, I was like this card would be super sweet in Mizzix. So I I I rebought the deck, and uh, so that was a moment of inspiration. Is it as good as it was, or is it is it better now? Because I know you like to make your stuff real pretty. Uh, it's, it's it is pretty. It is it is fully foil. Um, it's 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 a different kind of deck. Before it was it wasn't like a competitive deck, but it was definitely meant to be like like on a power level. It was meant to be like a good solid seven. Now it's a little bit more big spell oriented, and you know, I mean, obviously I'm playing Magma Opus, so how good can the deck be? But yeah, you know, it, it it's a lot more fun now. It's it's enjoyable, and it, it still plays a lot of the same cards, but it, it's taken on a different approach. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so I really liked this question, so hopefully we can get a, a really good uh, answer out of you here. So uh, just to put a little more pressure on you when it comes to this. Uh, what are things that customers should ask, try, or do, but don't when interacting with a TCG vendor or you know a vendor at an event, you know yourself or anyone else? Uh, what you shouldn't do is waste our fucking time. Um, like, there are people, like, and I understand getting the maximum out of your cards. Like, believe me, I do. Like, I, if you have a, a stack of really, really, really good cards and you want to shop them around to different vendors, like that's great. But when you show up with a gigantic, we had a guy at TCG con show up with a mother of a binder, like a, just a juggernaut, one of those three ringers, like, you know, from the nineties, from the nineties, like thousands of cards in it. And we went through and he's like, you can take that. You can take that. You can take that. No, you can't take that. No, you can't take that. You can take that. So this this buy took about an hour and a half. And at the end of it, he goes, "Okay, well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go take this to other people." So like we did all the work for him. We did. We took out everything that was worth money. We we checked the condition on everything. <clears throat> we priced it. We made him an offer, and he was just like, "Okay, thanks. Like I'm gonna go over to this table now." So he goes over to that the other table. And he's like, oh, look, this is, I have all of this. It's already sorted for you. You know, and we know, we know the guy, we're like, all the vendors are friends with each other. So we all knew each other. And the guy was just like, man, what an asshole. Like, like, you know, so the, the don'ts are don't like, if you know, you're not going to sell to me, like, it's fine to get a quote on like 10 or 15 cards. You know, we had a guy walking around the room that was like, oh, I have this foil seventh edition birds of paradise. What are you guys buying it for? We told him. He shopped it around the room. He came back 10 minutes later and he's like, yep, you guys had the best price. Like I'll, I'll sell this to you. So that was cool. But when you, when you have like 2000 count boxes full of, of rares, bulk rares and, and shit like that. And you show up and you're like trying to mid max what you can get out of it. Like there's a thin line between fries and shakes. Like if you're going to get, you know, if you're going to get $80 from me, but you're going to get $81 from that guy. Like I just did more than a dollar of work for you, bud. Like, Oh yeah. Like, yeah. you know, so that, that's what you shouldn't do is, is waste, waste my time. Like, especially if you know, you're not going to sell and you just want to quote, 
which we've had people do all the time. Like I've had people sent in collections to me and then after grading, they were like, yeah, well, I basically just wanted to see what I could get for it. Can you send it back? And you're like, yep. You know, which, you know, and it's not like, oh, the quote was too low for me or, oh, I was really hoping to get this. It was like, yep, I'm going to send this to CK now. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to send this to this company now. And you're just like, that's great, man. Like, thank you for, for using us as a appraisal service. Like, that's great. You know, we'll send it back for free too. Like, that's the best part. Sending it back for free. And do you guys actually like really look out for each other? I'm, I'm assuming. So like, obviously it's a business, right? And there's like, you're not at each other's throats, but there's some competitiveness, but there's also some camaraderie between you know all the companies right like you're yeah. in the same space like physically sometimes you're in the same space yeah you get to know you... people like yeah like for example like lizlin works for tales of adventures i love liz like they were bored when they were getting ready to fly out they had like three hours and liz is like can i just come can we just come to the store and mess around we were like sure like you know it, yeah, of course, it's, yeah. it's 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 building relationships and for some of these people let me let me give your listeners some some insider information we all talk. So when you try to fuck one of us, oh, you yeah. are accidentally walking into a hornet's nest of, of multiple vendors that will reach out to each other. And, and it's not just like the little guys that reach out to the other little guys. It's like we're all friends. So we're all reaching out to each other and we're all letting you know, hey, this guy with his you know, $90,000 collection, he won $60,000 for it, but the collection is, is HP as fuck. It's incredibly messed up so we offered him this amount of money on it and he turned us down so they would so you know the other vendor is going to this guy's going to go to the other vendor and he's going to say oh well, i want to sell you this cards and they're going to say well we already know that what the offer was on them we already know that your cards are super messed up and we trust this greater so we're either going to offer you the same or less you know for wasting their time and for trying to waste our time so th then those people co always come back and they're like well you know i thought about it and <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, like it, it's with big deals. Believe me, we all talk and, and, you know, it's, it's simply because you don't want to have your time wasted. You know, we'll call up a vendor and say like, Hey, this guy said he was thinking about selling to you. Like, did he, did he, did he, did he do this? Did you guys do all the work? Yeah. And he, he refused to take this much money. So sometimes we are like, okay, well this guy didn't want to take 40,000, but he would take 45. Okay. Well we can buy this at 45 and make 15, $10,000 profit on it. But if the guy was a huge asshole and you, and you know, so-and-so calls me and, and, or Rusty and is like, yeah, man, this guy was a huge, huge tool bag. Like he absolutely wasted our time. He's going to waste your time too. Uh, he's going to just end up, you know, taking 40 labor hours from you. Then in that scenario, we're like, yeah, we talked to so-and-so. We're not interested. Like, thanks. Have a good day. I was say, I don't know if you saw in the, uh, in the news the other day, I saw this on Twitter. Did you see the, um, the guy that stole the really rare uh, Luca Don uh, Ross. How do you pronounce his last name? I always mess it up. Doncic. Yeah, Luca Doncic. Always ask. Always add an extra syllable in there. I didn't know if you saw this. There was like a. I think it was in Texas or something. Like that. They had a big like card convention. They always have big card conventions. Right. In Texas. Yeah, yeah. They do it bigger, right? And you know they caught the guy on like their card was stolen from from you know a vendor and. I, I'm going to, like, try to paint you an oral picture. It looked like a GP. You know, there's just booths lined up everywhere. And they caught him on camera. Like, the guy looks away for a second. He just reaches over and takes it. And then he comes back, like, the next day and tries to sell it to someone else. Except these cards have, like, serial numbers on them. 
And so there was just a whole bunch of live feeds of people just like, you know, from their phone, like him getting arrested, you know, because it was like a five or $10,000 card. So like now it's a felony, you know, at this point. And it's one of those things. It's like, why would you like, obviously, like, I'm not trying to, you know, condone this, but like, it's like you said, everybody's going to look out for each other. They're going to know, you know, I mean, like the word's going to get around. And I was like, I, I just can't believe the audacity of these people and stuff. And have you ever seen anything crazy at an event or anything like that? Like maybe not someone stealing, but just something like absurd that just like blew your mind. Um, not really. I, I've been very lucky. I, I have not really dealt with too many crazy people or, or thieves or whatnot. Like if a collection gets stolen, it's a big collection and somebody's like posting about it on Twitter. I'll always message them and say like, Hey, send me a list. So we know if we see it, yeah. that, that like, if we see like 40 of these cards together, we can compare your list to it. And all of a sudden we can help you. But we haven't we haven't had those kind of interactions yet, um, but they they do exist, and your name does get out, and once your name is out, you are blacklisted, and you're probably going to go to jail, and it, it is what it is. It sucks to be you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, another uh, question that somebody had, and I think we're going to probably talk a, a, a few uh, questions when it comes off of this, because especially what's happening with the uh, most recent, recent release. Um, they wanted to know, with the quick release of Magic sets and constant turnover, do you feel like it affects your business positively or negatively? Negatively. Bleh. And have you considered alternate branches of selling cards in social media? Um, it, it definitely affects the business positively. Uh, the churn is so high on cards. Like, for example, Modern Horizons 2 came out. We did TCG Con, and people were trading in Modern Horizons 2 Fetchlands, like, instantly so the set just came out we were getting fetch lands in within you know minutes of the set coming out it was it was that fast it was insanity um it hasn't really except for kaldheim kaldheim ruined everything for everybody it was like the worst set ever made do you think it's worse than the dnd set no the dnd set's cool it has like it has really really nice cross applications it's going to bring people into magic it's anything that brings people into magic like for example, like, I know you worked with him, but, like, when Amaz was brought into Magic and people were like, this is bullshit. Like, I hate him. That's not fair. He gets to go to a Pro Tour. I, that sucks. I was like, do you know how many Hearthstone players are going to be like, oh, this is cool. Like, I should check out Magic. Like, if he brings 5,000 people into the game, if he brings 1,000 people into the game, he was worth every penny. Like, and that's, to me, that's what the D&D set is. If it interests people and you got... Or a group of friends that play D&D and they're like, hey, there's this D&D fantasy magic set. Even if they only buy D&D packs and only play D&D decks, like, who cares? Like, it's it's awesome. Kaldheim was just a shit show and it was terrible. That's all. What made Kaldheim such a shit show? Uh, I'll give you the insider information. Every distributor knew that it was going to be a, a bomb. And they didn't cut anybody's distribution at all on it. So pretty much every vendor... And every big company is sitting on a glut of Kaldheim that nobody wants to buy. Because there's and no there's no good cards in it. Like, there's a few good yeah. cards in Commander and a few good cards for maybe Standard and other formats. But other than, like, that cool Valky deck or the Tybalt Trickery deck or whatever. Um, it was also, like, in the heart of the pandemic, too. When it came out, right? Yeah. And distributors... Whether they like to admit it or not, they get plenty of information that they're not supposed to have. And everybody knew that that set was going to be a bomb. So when you put in for certain numbers, you're like, oh, I'm going to get cut by 
Like, that's no problem. Like, I'll, I'll put in for 90 boxes and I'll only get 45. Like, I could sell 30 of these boxes and sit on 15 of them and sell them eventually. Nope. Nobody got cut. And so you just got the full allotment? Yep. Yikes. <laughs> you should do some uh, You should do some giveaways or something. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to laugh if that happens like a year from now. You're like, all right, everybody get, you know, buy something this weekend. We, we're giving away boxes oh, we of were, Caldon. We were selling boxes of Caldon. They were on TCG Player for 95, $95 to $98. We were selling them for 90 because my my, mm-hmm. my like personal philosophy on cards is stale inventory makes you no money. Right. Like if we bought these boxes from a distributor at eighty dollars a piece, and we sell them at ninety with ten dollars of shipping, like cool, we just got back our money that was a money sink. Like if you buy a house for a hundred thousand dollars and you you know it's it sucks and you hate it and you sell that house for a hundred thousand dollars, well you learned a lesson, but you also didn't turn upside down on it. Mm-hmm. Which good lord, there's no house in this country worth a hundred thousand dollars, except maybe in like it's- Alabama, but. I don't think it's I don't think you could even classify it as a house. No, it's anymore. like a, it's like a shack, but you know, it's Caldheim was it it's just a bad set. And there's no good cards in it. Like there's no fun cards in it. Like there's like EDH players don't flock to it. Like you can always tell like a set's uh mm-hmm. boom by how many boxes you sell of it because of EDH players. Like MH2 was great, and we sold a shit ton of it. We sold out of collector boxes the first day that I posted them. Yeah, I know. I think I got one of those myself. Yes, and I and I had to pull strings to get you one. Yeah, I remember because you. Um, I was very happy with this, and this is something that you know people at home. It just tells you the kind of person Mark is when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, you know, I messaged. You know, I saw that you posted it. You know, I saw it. You know, an hour after you posted it, and I messaged you. And I was like, "Hey, can I get one?" You were like, "Dude, I'm sorry, we're sold out." I was like, "Oh, it, it's a bummer," you know, whatever. And then I don't know. 25 minutes later i get a message from you you're like all right give me your address what's one's coming or whatever you know like you you went out of your way to do that you did that you did it for you've done that multiple times for me and i really appreciate that and i like to think look don't don't run this for me because i like to think you do it because we're friends and we're boys and like i get special preferential treatment so just let me believe that that you don't always do that for everybody okay okay <laughs> let me <laughs> <laughs> let me feel special I, I do things for friends that i wouldn't do for normal people um oh I but know. there are people out there that if they message me and they're like hey i really want a collector box and like four people message me i want a collector box like we've had one of our employees liz she's like the greatest thing that ever happened in the history of, of people she's so wonderful but her she really is she is yeah. she's incredible but her and her uh boyfriend always buy um a case of a set when it comes out and for that set, they were like, we'll give up our case. And we'll sell those boxes. So essentially, when that set came out, we had our employee just say, screw it, and give her boxes to other people. So I got to message six other people and be like, hey, you know, we we do have a box for you. Like, we, we can make this happen. And that that's like... That's the dedication, like that that our employees and that we have to, to taking care of people is that they for they've done this twice too. They've foregone their case twice because our demand for a set was so high. Like Modern Horizons two, obviously was just was just nana bananas. Um, but th- they've just literally told people like, you know what, we're we're, we're going to take the L on this one. 
so we can get these boxes into the hand of players. And it's not so we can make money because like the margins on sealed product folks, like it's like a video game. Like you buy a video game for $55 with your GameStop, you sell it for $60. That's why they always want you to buy pre-owned things because the margins on the pre-owned are you buy a game, a new game for, you know, like a new Gears of War game, you buy it for 35 the week it comes out, but then you sell it for 55. That's why they want you to get, and I used to be a GameStop store manager, so I can tell you this. Um, but that's why. So sealed product doesn't make you as much money as you would think. Like it's, you know, you buy boxes for 80, you sell them for 100, you have to ship them for 5 to $10. You're not making gross profits on these boxes. Mm-hmm. So what you're telling me is, oh, Liz, a beer is what, is what I'm hearing. A lot of people owe Liz a beer. <laughs> yeah well hopefully i'll run into her in a few weeks uh, or, or at some point if i i don't know if she's coming out to you have the uh the event that's coming up in i'm gonna call it houston texas i know it's in galveston but you know people know where houston is um is that the next event for you guys yeah we're gonna do texas <clears throat> um we're on the fence about doing ohio because it's ohio um also like you i'm assuming you have to y'all are doing this by car as well right no we can we can fly um like texas texas we're doing flights um it's amazing you can fit showcases and suitcases uh oh okay yeah so and then somebody carries the boxes and you know it's you have to travel a little bit lighter like when we did tampa we brought so much inventory we brought Mm -hmm. you know we bought russian boxes of dominaria we brought first run prints of original zendikar we brought onslaught boxes like we brought all this shit. Now, when we go to Texas, obviously, we're just bringing singles now. Well, I was about to say, if, if uh, I mean, we can talk about this a little more after the show, but if I end up going, whether, you know, I'm helping you guys out or not, just ship the stuff to my house. Yeah, it'll be so, it'll be something like that. Like, we're we're working yeah, with various just, people on this. I could just put it in the back of my car and drive it there. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. But, um, so... For people who kind of like don't don't know that, what is the average event like that like? You know, what what do y'all like consider a success? Like, what do you you know what do you look into do the most there? And I definitely encourage people at home if they've never been to something like this, and if you feel comfortable going to something like this right now, try it out. They're a lot of fun. Um, I think that the reason I'm loving them as much as I am right now is you kind of miss that camaraderie that you get from like going to you know a live event. Like, um, someone was talking about on Twitter the other day, they looked through someone's binder at LGS the other day. Just to like, feel something. Know, <laughs> just to feel something. And they were like, oh my God, it felt, you know what I mean? Like, you, you miss FNM, you know what I mean? You, like, Ross, I think you said you've been going to FNM recently, and I, I think, like, that's a thing I hadn't heard you talk about, I think, ever, right? Yeah, I basically stopped going to FNM when I started traveling a ton for weekend tournaments. But now, after, you know, not having anything for a year and a half, it's been fun. You know, just... I built a fun deck, a little Racto Sacrifice deck, and just been jamming a couple FNMs every uh, couple rounds every week. Nice. And uh, Mark, like to kind of continue what we're saying, like uh, you know, it, it feels like a Grand Prix. Is there, is there going to be anything for Magic players there other than Magic cards, or is it just a convention for like collectibles and stuff? Yeah the um, the last event had a um, a big seal tournament. There were like mm-hmm. two hundred people that signed up for it, Damn. and it was it was nice in size, and it was. Um, you know, mask optional was, was the thing. Um, but, uh, you know, we wore ours just to be on the safe side, but I mean, it's Texas. It's definitely going to be mask optional. Yeah, so, yeehaw. but, um, yeah, there was a really big people were, it, it had the GP feel and that people were running around the room. Like, do you have Ragavans? Like, do you have, 
you have what's that one card the uh the the white and an x uh prismatic uh this uh prismatic ending, ending. Yeah, prismatic ending yeah. people were like do you have prismatic endings like if we would have known we would have brought those we would have made seven thousand dollars off prismatic endings mm-hmm. because people were like i need prismatic endings i need ragavans i need prismatic endings so people in the last episode might have heard me talk about this. I actually vended uh, a tournament over the weekend. Like I did it myself, you know, like I, I hired an employee, I brought my stuff. And I think the cards that I sold the most or that were asked for the most were Ragavan, Prismatic Ending, and uh, what we call Darcy. It's a uh, Dragon Rage Channeler. And yep. I, I, I was like grabbing them from people and put in like i wouldn't even price them i would just put them out and people be like yeah i need that like how much does it cost i don't care yeah we had like, a just, moment just... where we we bought a foil borderless ragavan and the guy that we were buying we bought it off him and some guy pointed at it and it was like i need that and we were like okay so i sold it to him for 20 bucks more than we bought it for <laughs> like, yeah like i was like cool we just made 20 bucks in five you know five seconds and y- yeah you, he, this guy gave you a 20 dollar bill to hand a card to another person yes, you know kind it, of thing. it was yeah. it was funny um but mm-hmm. there were there were Definitely uh, Dragon Rage Channeler and Prismatic Ending and, and Ragavan were the three most asked for cards from us as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the thing for a while right now. Uh, like Ross, have you ever seen a few cards out of a set like this really affect a, a set? I mean, I mean, a format like Modern or Legacy before. I, I can't remember the last time something like this happened, especially for um... like Uncommons. Yeah, not at Uncommons. I mean, Throne had Oko and Once Upon a Time, right? Right. Those are pretty big impacts. But even then, like, yeah, DRC and and Raghavan have fundamentally reshaped the format in a Mm -hmm. way that I I sort of compare it to when Fatal Push was printed and it it changed the balance of removal and everybody figured out fair Death Shadow decks for the first time. So, like, maybe Fatal Push is comparable but not uh, like this is, you know, multiple point. cards across a ton of different decks. Um, so still a little bit different. And uh, I think it's going to you know be six months before we fully figure out exactly like, the extent of the impact that these cards are going to have. The formats is completely different. Yeah. And it's like it's affected other things, too. Like all of the fast lands that can cast Ragavan or cast DRC have like way shot up in value. Right, Mark? I know you've... I, I don't know if you had the same problem I have. Like, I can't keep uh, Spire Bluff Canals or what's the red black one? Um, Blackleaf Cliffs. Yeah, I, I cannot keep those cards. In no, it's and a, I it's get asked about them every day. We had we even had like stupid ones. We had like foil Russian yep. ones, and people were like, "Yeah, I guess I'll buy those." And you're like, "Yeah, you're like payday." We <laughs> yeah, exactly. That will be seven million dollars, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was the only time I can remember this happening, and this is gonna like date me, is when they printed mm-hmm. Ravager, and there was the old extended. Oh yeah. And, like, the Ravager Tanglewire deck started coming out and, like, the, mm. you know, like, uh, with the uh, Ancient Tombs and and, fa- and uh, Artifact Lands and whatnot, like, th- that's the only time I can really remember a format being as warped by a few cards is, is you know, and then there's, like, of course, there's, like, GTA and, like, things like that, but... I remember people s- scrambling to buy the Rat Precon deck that had GTA in it. Yep. So you could get a copy of the card. I also remember um, one of the first Grand Prix where, I mean, I remember when like Astral Slide was really good and like standard, right? And uh, I remember one of the first Grand Prix that happened after that when, what was it like on like um, what's that the naturalized get printed in Ross? Was onslaught. It onslaught. Yeah, 
And I remember this was back when, you know, you just mentioned this, you know, you wish you had brought prismatic endings, right? You wish you brought more uh, Dragon Rage channelers. And that was a thing that, you know, vendors 10, 15 years ago didn't even do. Like they did not bring commons, right? You know, they just brought the big expensive stuff. And I remember naturalizes were $15 on the floor because everybody needed naturalize to kill, you know, that deck to beat that deck. And I remember people were like calling all the local stores, trying to figure it out. They were busting packs, trying to find them. And I was like, yeah, you, I've never seen anything like this before. Like, do you, have you ever had a, a crazy thing like that happen at an event before or during a certain weekend? Oh yeah. Uh, GP Atlanta in 2011, fairies started playing worm coil engine in the sideboard. And there was a card called De Glamour, which would mm -hmm. just put an artifact on the bottom of its owner's library. And some vendor had like 70 of them, and he was charging 20 bucks a piece for them. And I bet you he sold he a sold, lot He of sold them. all of them. Everybody in the room that had a De Glamour was selling them for $20, $30. And they were, there were maybe 50 or 60 of them in the room. <laughs> it's kind of unreal. Oh, wow. So... What's this year looking like for y'all? You know, you know, we're coming up at a coming up to it, you know, the end of it for in a, in a few more months and paper magic is starting to come back, right? Like SCG just announced, you know, their online series, but that it actually feeds a paper magic event later in the year in Roanoke. You know, you're starting to see uh, some other paper events. We don't need to go into details in, uh, on some of them. You know, that, that look a little, maybe Sketchy. a little shady or a little funny. Yeah. Uh, I got tagged in that way too many times because Cardmageddon got mentioned a lot. And I was like, guys, I had nothing to do with Cardmageddon. I just got paid to be there. <laughs> Please stop tagging me in it. But anyway, um, are you all ready to like transition back into that? Are you like looking forward to it? Oh, yeah. Is it a, a thing you're doing? Yeah. Right. Um, our, our, our plan, and it's going to probably kill me, but it's every two weeks we're going to do an event whenever events come back like a grand prix if and every other week we're going to do uh, my twitter sales because we're not giving up on that uh too many people have, have gotten used to it too many people like the fact that we rely on they it. rely on it we yeah. sell cards cheaper we get them shipped faster and uh it's we're not going to stop so you know if there's a if there's a gp you know the first week of of a month and then we do twitter sales the second and then a gp the third twitter sales the fourth that's just what's going to happen because you know, we we created something special and very uncommon and very innovative. And, you know, we, we, we took some pages out of the books of people that were doing it, but nobody has done it like I have. Nobody. Not a single person. And people, you could tell people are starting to try and they're not, they're, it, it's, I'm sorry, folks, it's my market. Like, the, I, I am the Amazon of this. Like, I am the Walmart. Like, they're, you know, it's... It just comes down to the fact that I, I want it more and I'll work harder than every other person in the room. I, my, my saying is, is, is do the work and I say it all the time and I mean it, do the work, go out there. It, you know, that's what the rock says. And that's where I got it from. And it's true. You know, it's, it's true. And the minute that he said that, it, like it snapped into my head that that is, what you need to live your life by and whether it's being good at magic or whether it's being good at card sales or uh, whatever job that you have, if you're in marketing or computer engineering, whatever it is, do the work and you, you can either just kind of drift through and not 
really succeed at anything or you could reinvent the wheel. Maybe. I mean, this isn't for everybody. Like, I, I lucked into this shit. But I also, at the same time, realized very, very, very early that I lucked into this shit. And I decided it's time to blow the doors off of it like nobody ever has. And that's why, you know, this year has been bafflingly good. Not even counting our TCG player sales. It's been obscene. And I only see it growing exponentially from from when the paper events start coming back. Mm-hmm. When is your um, When do you get your rocket ship built? Um, I don't know. Whenever they finish the the clay model of my genitals, I guess. <laughs> oh, sorry. One thing at a time, Tannen. Well, I mean, come on, right? Like, but for real though, what was with that spaceship? Like, I thought everybody was joking about it when they put like the um, what was the name of that movie? Uh, you know, Doctor Evil. Yeah. Um, Austin Powers. Yeah, when they had the Austin Powers reference, and then I saw it, I was like. It does look like a giant phallus. Like, what, like, why does it always have to look like that? <laughs> like Joan Hill. You know what foods are shaped like dicks? The best kind. The best you know kind. You know what kind of rockets yeah. are shaped like dicks? The best kind. S- speaking of that, that actually leads into another question that somebody had on Twitter. This is a good segue. How many pizzas have been bought for you? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, like, probably, there was a time when I was making, like, the, the fuck the pizza jokes, like, pretty regularly. Yeah. And my wife and I ate Anthony's pizza three times a week. Somebody, Is that like the good local place? Yeah, because somebody would, would message me be like, hey, I, I sent $15 to your PayPal. Hey, what's your PayPal? Let me send you $15, mm-hmm. you know. And I would just be like, cool, this is fun. I, I ate so much pizza, which pizza is one of my top five favorite foods. I ate so much yes. pizza in a six-month time frame that, like, I rarely eat pizza now. Like, Yeah, you, you, you ruined it, yeah. It's not it's not so much ruined. Like, if, if there's, you know, like... My best friend, like, every time I go up to visit him in Tampa, he's like, oh, I'll make you a pizza. Like, it's great. He makes it in, like, he's got his own little, you know, little coal oven thing, and it's, like, delicious, and I'll eat it every time. But I ate so much pizza at one point that I I, I had to stop eating pizza for a while. So I think this is important, and this is going to be between you and Ross. I, I think you need to tell Ross what kind of pizza you like, and then Ross is going to judge you because of this. So my favorite kind of pizza is thin crust chicago uh sausage you know just plain with with like crumbled sausage like a nice little somewhat sweet sauce and uh i like let me see uh i like thick thick cut slices uh with barbecue sauce pineapple oh yeah pineapple bitches and chicken that's one of my favorite pizzas right now so I, I'm okay with the, the Chicago tavern style. That's a perfectly fine way to make a pizza. The pineapple is just kind of whatever. It's not for me. But if you want to put it on, that's fine. But we went on... Tanner is trying to trap me because I went on a long rant about how awful uh, deep dish pizza you. is. But go ahead. Sorry. Because it I didn't know deep sucks. dish was like his favorite. Yeah. Well, it's great. I don't, I don't per se like deep dish, but I don't, but there, it's hard to explain. Like, I don't know if you have a Jets where you live, but like Jets sells like, like not Chicago style, but like it's very like crusty, like very doughy. Like the, the, the pieces are thicker, but it's not like a, like a pizza pie. Mm-hmm. So See, like a Sicilian pizza. style. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm more a pizza pie kind of guy. Like I actually, you know, if I have to use a fork and knife, like I'm, I'm in my, I like that. 
And then if I want just a slice of pizza, I want like New York, you know, and like a big ass slice. I need to like fold over or it's going to start like, you know, dripping to the floor. It needs to drip to the floor, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I want I want I want so much toppings on there that I need to like make sure they don't escape. My wife and I went on a pizza trip. We went to we went to New York City uh years mm-hmm. ago. And the whole purpose of us going to New York was to eat at as many pizza places as we could. Like we ate at some of the best pizza places. We ate at like Lombardi's and like all the normal ones and Angelos and but John's. like yeah, oh my god. But we also ate at like we went to Chinatown and we ate like pizza from a Korean purse store. Mhm. Like that's wait, did you say purse? Store? Yeah, like a Korean like knockoff purse store. Like okay, like sold fake wallets and fake purses and everything. They mm-hmm. were like, "We have pizza. Would you like pizza?" And we were like, "Yeah, why the fuck not?" So like we yeah, and, right, and yeah. it was the worst pizza I've ever had in my life. But you know, but at least you had but it. But at least yeah. I had it, and we we have a good story to tell people. You know, Korean fake Korean purse store. Have you ever been to the the, the famous pizzerias in New Haven? Nope. There's um, Frank Pepe's, Sally's, Modern, and Bar, and they're all incredible. I'll have to make that a note on our next pizza yeah, adventure. Well, Ross has got a list for you from where he's from. That's all I need. And I've, I've, been, I've been, look, I need an excuse to go do this, so sometime the next time we're up in the area, we've all got to go and let Ross uh, show us around and how to do the pizza stuff up yeah, there. Yeah, I'm from Yeah, we'll go on so a pizza tour of New Haven. You know, we've got like Vinny's Pizza and Minio's Pizza. Like, we've got some, some dynamite pizza where i'm from. Say, is, is pizza good in pittsburgh i've actually never had pizza in yeah. that area pittsburgh food like and this isn't because i'm a homer like the, pittsburgh the food, food was good in pittsburgh yeah. when i was it's there great i was like, it's a melting pot like when people left new york when they immigrated to this country they all funneled into pittsburgh so there's a german district a chinese district a polish mm-hmm. district uh an italian district like there's there's just so many districts in in pittsburgh that are all like you know, there's a Hungarian district. There, there, there's like districts you never would hear of, but like they exist, and that's where like some of the an Indian district, like just incredible food, lives in Pittsburgh. Yeah, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh is one of the most underrated cities for magic tournaments possible. Like that, da- the downtown area is very walkable and nice. They've got the ballpark right there. Yeah. Their food is underrated. The convention center is great. Uh, love, love going to Pittsburgh. Love yeah, I've, I've eaten all the food around the ballpark with Ross and with, uh, you know, Stu lives there as well. Another person, you know, in the MTG finance realm and stuff. And he took me to a bunch of places and I was very pleasantly surprised with how good the food was. We even got home-cooked Indian while we were there mm-hmm. uh, last time, Ross and I, oh, from yeah, that was who really we were good. staying with. It was delightful. Also, there's something about, like, you know, eating in the dining room or eating near the kitchen of where the person preparing the food is. You could, like... You get the anticipation, you know, you like you smell the food as they're cooking it. and You're like, I cannot wait to destroy this meal, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. <laughs> All right. Back to a few questions from Twitter. Uh, I think you're really going to like this one. You actually responded to it without the without answering it. So I was excited. What set in your eyes is considered the Limp biscuit of magic sets? So what I what my response was, what do you mean? The greatest magic set of all time? Yep, and that, that's how I would have taken it, too, if the question was poised towards I you. I know Ross is going to pull his his fucking hair out of his head, you know. What he's got left of it. Oh, sorry. Shazam. No, I'm bald, so. I'm losing my hair, too, Ross. I'm sorry. Yeah, Tannen's widow's peak. Um, yeah, I know. It's it's bad. So if you're not a Limp Bizkit fan, it's Kaldheim. Um, if you are. And you're just wrong. Yeah, yeah, and if you're like me and you are a Limp Bizkit fan. Um, I'm seeing them live, by the way, later this year. 
Uh, they still they still perform. Oh yeah, Fred Durst just turned fifty, man. Don't give a shit. Still plays. Still does, plays. Does he does he still do the backwards hat and yeah, everything? Yeah, you know it. You know it. You have to. Uh, but so good. My my favorite set probably all time was original Mirrodin. Original Mirrodin? I I like that answer. That's uh that was my first set to get like competitive in. You know, I first started like trying to get yeah, better. Yeah, and it, and it had so much cool stuff in it. Like it had you know. Uh, Tooth and Nail and Arc Slogger and it had Broodstar and it had like multiple avenues you could take your deck and it was just it was a lot of fun. It was like the Wild West. You could still design decks. You weren't, you know, beholden to online uh you know uh mm-hmm. deck lists and there wasn't a new deck list coming out every five minutes and it was it was sort of like that last great time before the internet took over what the metagame looked like. Yeah, it was like just starting to like Star City Games had a site, but like it wasn't, you know, what it is today. Is is Arc Slogger still your favorite card? Because I know for the longest time, I think it was on Twitter, you were Mark Slogger. Yeah, I have a stuffed Arc Slogger that a friend of mine. Wait, my, what? Yeah. You have like a physical? Yeah, a friend had it That's made amazing. on Etsy for me. It's it's like build a bear, but build a Slogger. Build a okay, slogger, I like yeah. it. My son loves it. <laughs> I bet. All right, another another question here. How can I get my friends to understand that buying singles is more economical than buying sealed products? Uh. To be honest with you, buying singles helps your LGS out a lot more than it helps buying yeah. uh, sealed product. Like, there are people that are like, oh, if you want a card, like, buy a box and crack packs. Like, that's just not smart. Like, <laughs> I, I believe in supporting an LGS store 100%. But if I, like, when I go to my LGS, like, even me, like, I have cards coming out the wazoo. And I still buy for my LGS because like, I know that they, I know what percentage they buy cards out. I know what percentage they sell them at, but I'm like, if I can get these guys like 40% return on their card, like that's good. That keeps them open. That keeps the doors open. If I buy a sealed box, I'm giving them $10. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather buy from an LGS when it comes to the singles that I need than then try to buy sealed product from them because I know it's going to be a lot more helpful down the, in the long run for them. I'm going to paraphrase this, this question and into just kind of, I think where they were trying to lead you. How do you feel about the reserved list? Oh, fuck the reserved list. It's the worst thing in magic and every single person, your, your social contract, your, you know, written, non-written, but verbal contract, your promise to the players, whatever, go fuck yourself. How's that sound? Like, I don't give a shit if you have a million dollars. I have a $400,000 in reserve list cards sitting in my friend's office right now. And I would die to have that list gone. Because you know what that's going to do? It's going to pop the market the fuck up. Like, it's it's going to make all those older dual lands, because they're the original versions, worth more money. It's going to bring so many players. It's going to sell so many packs. It's going to involve so many people selling cards to vendors if they reprinted like grim monolith and grim monolith was like a 30 to 50 dollar rare and all of a sudden that foil wasn't worth more than a piece of power which it is the foil is worth three to four thousand dollars right now depending on the condition um it, it is to me it is the worst thing that could possibly exist in magic when you tell people there are cards that they need that i won't ever print again and then you get the argument oh well you don't really need that card but you should have access to it. That's what's so tilting to me. Like a, a person that plays magic every, you know, once a month with their friends because they work a lot and they can't, oh, you know, they can't take extra time off. And that's like their happy time. That person deserves to play with a Grim Monolith or an Underground Sea 
or you know they, you know the whole like well my, their deck doesn't need to be optimized it doesn't have to be optimized they should get the privilege of doing it as well magic is not just for the rich that's my that's my that's my soapbox that i would die on i have a literally like close to a half million dollar cards in reserve list sitting just and then there's there's those people that are like well i have five million dollars like i don't care it's not stocks it's cardboard it's not blue chips it's not the smp 500 and if you treat it like it is you're a fool so anybody that's listening to this if you want to direct your hate toward toward me on twitter it's at dynamo nestico so feel free to throw me your all your shade and all your uh unwritten promises to the players and blah 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 and keep the reserve list alive and it makes magic better yeah go ask legacy how the reserve list is doing Go ask legacy players that don't have legacy decks that are like, well, I get to build goblins. You yeah. know, I can't play Delver because I can't afford a $4,000 mana base. I didn't mean to make a goblin yeah, joke, like... Ross. I'm sorry. Oh, that's fine. I don't give a shit about goblins. Good. You just <laughs> well, see, I, you looked forlorn. I hate them because I always, always lose to them. But... You know, I just think people should have the right to play with any cards. And every game does it. Pokemon does it. Yu-Gi-Oh does it. It's, you know, in Magic, one time they, they used their balls a little bit when they reprinted Mox Diamonds and From the Vault, and they gave into pressure from a very vocal, very vocal, but very minor minority. So that's it. Dynamo Nesco at Twitter, if you want to direct your hatred towards me, if you want to send me DMs about how much you hate me or how much money I would cost you or how your entire nest egg is built on the reserve list, like, I'm sorry, it sucks to be you. Why the reserve list sucks. The new article from <laughs> yeah. Ross, you got anything? Um, my the thing I've been wondering actually sort of goes back to the what we were talking about at the beginning, and just the whole getting into the space of Twitter as a of a, a venue for selling cards. And I don't know if it was conscious on your part or just sort of serendipitous. Um, but it seems to me like. your model of doing things where you want the turnover to be fast and you want the customer service to be very good so that, you know, customers get that kind of personalized experience that they're not going to get at a a bigger retailer. That to me seems very conducive to the space of Twitter itself, because that's a space where word of mouth travels very quickly and it becomes advertising for you in a way that, you know, even larger retailers wouldn't be able to get. So that's a way of generating an advantage in the marketplace because your business model is actually suited towards the space that you're operating in. So was that conscious on your part or was that just happened, you know, just happened to be the way you wanted to do things and it just worked out? Um, Like I said, it started as a gimmick, but I very, very quickly realized that there was a void there. And with my Serving Sucks account, it... It, it was very organic and it created buzz and like some of my tweets ended up on like major websites that they never credited me for. So go screw yourselves guys. But um, I found like very early that people will talk about things that make them happy or that make them money or that make them give them value or that adds pleasure to their lives. So it was, we started in May. Uh, we started a week before my birthday, May 14th uh, last year and by uh, July, we had begun Twitter sales. So we had given it like a month of just selling random cards on Twitter. And I finally told uh, my partner, Rusty, I said, let's do this, man. This is this is it. Like, this is 
this is the new hotness. This is the new thing. And, you know, we kind of, we were like, well, let's just ride the lightning for a few weeks, a few months and see where it, it takes us. And like, did you think it would take you here? Like, did y'all think you would be this successful? No. Absolutely not. It's, it, it's an amazing feeling, right? When you like, you do something like this and it's, it's more successful than you could have imagined. Um, to like full disclosure, I have been offered jobs by some of the biggest companies in magic just in the mm. last, like the last six months, strictly because they were like, I want you to run our Twitter account. I want you to yep. do what you do, but do it on a grander scale. Like you'll have our backing, you'll have our followers. And I was, and I told them no, because me and my partner and our staff have built something extremely special, extremely gra grassroots and very, very just, I, I can't I think of another word to use other than special. Like the people we buy from, I, I know all their names. Like you would, you know, I'm not joking. Like whenever we're selling a card, I'll yell back to Liz like, oh, so-and-so just bought this. And she'll be like, yep. Like we have their, their, their uh, address on file. Like we're ready to go. Like mm -hmm. we, we treat everybody like they're special because they are. And they're helping us do something that nobody has ever done before. So you know, Twitter sales existed before me. They'll exist after me. But at the same time, like I said, nobody's ever done it like me. And that's just the, you know, that's what we take a lot of pride in. It was, it started out as a joke, but we very, very, very quickly realized that this was something, this was a space that, that we could exist in that nobody else could touch us. All right. Before I move on to anything else, uh, was there anything in particular that you wanted to talk about or bring up that we haven't covered so far on the show? Well, how many pizzas I've had sex with? Well, someone asked that question. I just made it more PC. Oh, or whatever. no, yeah, that's earlier. okay. You don't have to. We could talk about it. Okay, no, sure. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Because uh, I was going to ask you, uh, there's something that we do that's a little fun every episode, and I think you might remember this. We do the this overrated, underrated section mm -hmm. where we talk about you know a random topic and whether we think it's overrated, underrated, or and why. And I was wondering if you wanted to kind of you know be a part of it this Hell week yeah. for a little Let's while. Let's go. All right, cool. Uh, Ross, you ready to go? Let's do it. All right. Um, let's see here. Let's start with the very first one, and I'm gonna start with Ross because I'm pretty sure I know your answer here. Joe, Mr. English says Ferraris. Um, overrated. I, I think any. I would say all sports cars are overrated. I don't get the fascination with cars. I hate cars. Mm -hmm. I just want good public transit. I mostly agree with Ross, though. I, I've never had a super expensive car, so I, you know, obviously, I would you know hope they're overrated. Mark, what about you? Uh, extremely overrated. But if you like gave me a Bugatti, I wouldn't be pissed at you. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll take a Maserati. You know, I'm not super. I'm not greedy. You yeah. know, I, I did an Ashton Martin convention for like these, uh, and it was the like people that own like ten of them, twenty of them, and it was like That's, they're like over there, yeah. like just placating each other with these expensive cars yep. and it's like they don't yep. make you special buddy like you know but yeah. if you got me a bugatti it would make me pretty special so all right mark i'm gonna go with you, you on first on this one kfet uh says twitter underrated yeah i think it's pretty uh underrated. it gets a bad rap because of what magic players refer to as quote the discourse because magic players mm -hmm. are, are jagoffs and they have to complain about absolutely everything if you gave them hundred dollar bills in a pack they would complain about the way that you fold them but mm -hmm. uh, it's 
it's underrated because you can make I've made insane friendships just off Twitter. Like like people that I genuinely hi urchin. I genuinely compi- like consider some of these people like my very close friends. And you know, I, I remember it like uh uh like Chase uh, mana curves like we're very good friends and like it's crazy like that i've met these people that i never would have met otherwise just through this it's and i, I think it's incredibly underrated for human interaction you are tangentially responsible for my relationship with ross you know that i right? have no idea about that because you're the reason brennan decandio and i are very very good friends oh well there you go because of twitter there you go yeah because yeah you and i were twitter friends and then you knew that I was going to a pro tour that Brennan was also qualified for. And, you know, he Brennaned it just to use his name as a verb. And he like, you know, got his flight. He had nowhere to stay. He didn't know anyone. Nope. That's and you vouched for him. Yeah. You're like, Hey, he's good people. And I was like, cool. He can just stay with us or whatever. And then I think within like the first six hours of hanging out, I was like, are we, we did the stepbrothers thing. Are we best friends? And he was like, yeah. And like, it's been a bromance ever yeah, since. Brennan's the best. And, and then, you know, obviously, you know, Ross kind of weaseled his way in as the third there for a little while. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You got> to... <laughs> All right. This this next one's going to be uh, going to be fun. This is from Cathal. Uh, Mark, we'll start with you again. Ice cream. Oh, extremely, extremely underrated. But it's underrated in the sense that, like, the bullshit flavors, like, that everybody's super accustomed to are, like, whatever. But, like, lavender ice cream or, like lilac oh my god it's so good it's so fragrant it's it's just it's wonderful so it's like it's underrated in the sense that like the flavors that people don't flock to or that are more like artisan are vastly underrated yeah the best ice cream i've ever had was basil it was delicious i 100 percent believe you uh i'm gonna also go with underrated but there was a time in my life where i would have said overrated but now that I can't have ice cream without taking something before eating it, since I've uh, developed lactose intolerance, I just want it all. The- like when I see other people eat it, like making, you know, knowing that I can't have it makes me want it that much more, you know, kind of stuff. So I'm going to go underrated there too. All right. Uh, River Chris says, drawing cards at your opponent's instep. Ross, go first. Um, overrated. <laughs> so generally the way you're drawing cards on your opponent's instep is with just card draw spells like you know opportunity and shit like that and those cards have just gotten a lot worse in the last five or ten years of magic because they leave you so behind on the battlefield and you want to be drawing cards while making proactive plays so that you're not falling behind on development so the best time to draw cards is actually now just on your main phase yeah, I'm going to go with overrated because people don't sorcery speed stuff enough. Uh, Mark, you got anything you want to add? Uh, com- overrated? Like, how many times have you seen somebody miss a land drop and then play a draw spell at the end of somebody's turn? <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah, I never oh, get yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, man, they they did this again, Ross, my favorite thing. All right, you're, you're going you're gonna to catch on, Mark. All right, so the next one is from Joe at Mr. English. He says, potatoes. Go ahead and you can go first, uh, Mark. Oh, um, underrated strictly because I fucking love potatoes like yeah, i don't care amazing. if i'm basically eating water like they are delicious i mean it's better than than like eating salad you know salad. I mean, uh, iceberg I lettuce love iceberg i mean lettuce. iceberg lettuce is, <laughs> yeah you're yeah that's just you're eating water it's so it's bad delicious. ross what about you uh yeah potatoes are great so have to be underrated though i do think mashed potatoes are a little overrated i, I like i have to 100 percent agree with that one 
You have to do a lot of work to, to make a... them not like yeah. bland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next one, sorry, the next one was from Catatonk Walrus. He says Samwise Gamgee's overpronunciation of potatoes and Peter Jackson's critically acclaimed take on J.R.R. Tolkien's classic The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. <laughs> I love that he put the whole. I'm sorry, I just lost it reading this, but uh, that's underrated. Um, I laughed my ass off in the movie theater, and if you haven't seen, like, you should just you should just type it into YouTube and get like the remixes of it with him and Gollum and everything doing it. What about you, Mark? Uh, like I don't give a shit. So I'm just gonna. <laughs> sure, that's, that's a so perfectly I'm fine gonna, answer. Those movies, you know, I subscribe to the Clerks Two philosophy. Like, there's nothing but fucking walking in those movies. So, uh, did you did you hear Clerks Three got announced yesterday? Yeah. I don't. You know, I I just like I get them. Like the battle scenes were so much fun and like super enjoyable. But like, it took us two and a half hours to get to like the trees walking. Like I I don't need that in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like uh, T- Tolkien is very dry. He describes every blade of grass along a walk. Yeah, so. uh, <laughs> as a squirrel says, dwarf tossing. I don't know if this is an actual thing, but throw just another reference to to the. Oh two no, towers, this is a thing. I oh god. Okay, go ahead. I mean, I just know that it, it's a thing. It's exactly what it sounds like, and uh, I imagine it's very demeaning. So overrated. Yeah, overrated. Everybody deserves some sort of dignity and respect, and uh, it's you know not for me. Uh, and then Fuzzy Dan says Tom Bombadil uh, and their omission from Lord of the Rings films overrated because it would have made a longer film even longer with pointless stuff. I can just agree uh, with that. Yeah. yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, I'm going to start with Frost on this one since he's been playing with us a little bit lately. Cathal says, Pox effects. Um, so, they're, in terms of competitive viability, they're probably overrated. Yeah. But in terms of fun, underrated. Mark? Uh, I played Tiny Bones EDH, and I played Smallpox and Death Cloud and everything. And boy, howdy, I had a great time every time I cast those cards. Mm-hmm. Deathclaw is one of my favorite cards of all time, so I'm going to go with uh, both your answers there. Uh, they also asked, going for a walk right after a heavy rain. Ross, we, t- we talked about the, uh, the, the the smell of that a lot in the last couple episodes. Yeah, our, our sponsor, Barrister and Man, has a, a new Petrichor scent for uh, their products. So, yeah, underrated. We're both big fans. Underrated, definitely. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, Joe says going for a walk when it's 80 degrees Fahrenheit outside, um, overrated because if it ever gets hotter in this, it's just disgusting. Uh, underrated, underrated. in the summer of 2016 when Pokemon Go was a thing. Cause sure. that was the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. And that beats out my wedding day and the birth of my son. Um, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, but like, not really. Yeah, but not really. <laughs> uh, oh, but other than that, I live in Florida. So overrated, just incredibly overrated. <laughs> All right, I'm a, Mark, I'm going to get you the first one on this. Fresh mozzarella. Oh, underrated. Underrated. So delicious. Good good caprese salad. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A good burrata. Oh, yeah. A good burrata, 100%. So I'm assuming you agree, Ross? Oh, yeah. All right, so what about American cheese, Ross? Uh, underrated. It's good at melting, and so in applications where you need it to melt, it is perfectly fine, like on a burger. Um, and so you don't need to be that snobby about cheese. Like it does a, a thing very well. You got anything different, Mark? Um, underrated. Like, you know, people don't understand that. Like, that's a struggle food. Like, it lets you eat something delicious, but like in a cost-effective way. 
Like you see, I, I think I would have said overrated, and then hearing you guys talk about it and seeing a few things recently, I think I'm gonna have to agree with y'all. Like I lived off of that shit in college, like macaroni and cheese. All right, here's, and it's funny that you said that because that's actually the next one. Is just what about mac and cheese? It's the best food ever made. Yeah, good good macaroni and cheese is so good. It's it's very easy to fuck up though. Yeah, well, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. That's where I gotta go. I gotta go with like the average to below average mac and cheese is extremely overrated, but the good kind, like oh man, uh, what do they call it when it has like the crust on top of it? Is there a word for that, Mark? I have no idea. It's just delicious. Like, is it like a New York yeah. style mac and we, cheese? We just uh, always call so it that, that mac and cheese. Yeah, yeah, that bake style where you make a, a a bechamel and then stir in the cheese to make the Mornay sauce, and then that that's more of a of a French preparation. I just got really hungry. Because oh macaroni and cheese does originally come from France. And slightly turned on. Is that weird? No. No? no okay. You're good. <laughs> All right. I'm going to answer this one first. Uh, the next one is spaghetti. Massively overrated. Ross? Yes. Uh, specifically, the spaghetti pasta shape. And most long pasta shapes. Though, bucatini is excellent. So, if, if you want a long pasta, find some bucatini. Uh, it's like bigger spaghetti with a hole in it, so the sauce gets in that hole, and, and you pick up more of the sauce on the noodle. It's it's very good, but actual spaghetti, I basically never buy. Yeah, overrated. There are so many better types of pasta out there. There's so many different types of sauce. You know, like if you're at a place yeah. and they're like spaghetti and meatballs, that's our specialty. It's like anything else is better. Yeah. Good yeah. luck. Yeah. Exactly. All right. I, I did uh, a pasta shape power ranking on Twitter like four years ago. Look it up. And spaghetti was like pretty much at the bottom. Yes, angel, angel hair was at the bottom. I hate angel hair. Oh yeah, I hate angel hair as well. You like can't use a fork. It's like it does. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Lee McLeod says Otani. What do you say, Mark? Um, do you, do you know who this is? O- Otani. I don't know what the fuck Otani is. Sh- Shohei Otani. Oh Shohei Otani, oh shit! Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Um, that's my his, fault. His cards are worth a million dollars right now. That's that's the most of my experience with him. I know that he's well, probably one of the best players in the league right now. He's he if if anything stays consistent, he'll be one of the best players of all time. Like what he's doing is unprecedented. There's no way to overrate yeah. him in what he's doing. Yeah. It is one of a like he's a one of a kind. And you know when people say one of a kind generational talent, I don't think that says enough. Like it's one of a kind multi generational talent because we've never seen this. It's also the kind of talent that I think transcends his own sport. Yeah. And like, he's he's going he's going to change the game like in a drastic way. Like there's like he's also paving a road for other people to do this cuz like they just don't allow athletes to do this in baseball. For for people at home who may not know who we're talking about, this is a Japanese player who plays in Major League Baseball now who pitches and hits and does both at a very good clip. Like, he's a very good pitcher, and he's also leading the league in home runs right now. So he's, like, running away at the MVP award this year if he stays healthy. Like, that's always been his thing. It's, like, a little harder for a player like him to stay healthy because there's just so much demand on his body at all times. But he's been pretty healthy this year, and he's finally delivering on all the hype when he came over. Unfortunately, the Angels still suck. Yeah, well, yeah, the, I, I don't I could talk about this for an hour. We're not going to go into it. <laughs> All right, Mark, you're first up on this one. Balsamic vinegar. Um, okay, so underrated, but it depends on what food you're using it with. That, that's a fair answer. Like, if you're eating it on salad, it's going to overwhelm the bejesus out of the salad. So, like, yep. you know, like, it's not good. But if you're eating, like, you know, like a nice, uh, 
you know, like a really nice balsamic vinaigrette on like a like I'm gonna bring back caprese salad, you know, or or a or burrata, uh, fresh bruschetta, you know, like that that is that is delicious. Yeah, anything that's already v- very creamy and rich and needs a hit of acid, balsamic is gonna be great. Mm-hmm. All right, Ross, how do you feel about the home run derby? Um. Hmm. It's okay, I guess. Like, I'm not sure how rate, like, not a lot of people watch it, right? It's usually not that big of a deal. It was massively watched this year, but. This year? I mean, Otani was in it. Sure, sure. Um, like, it, it's it's okay. I would probably say slightly overrated. Me in the past, I would have said overrated. The last few years, I'm going to say underrated. I really like the changes they've made to it. Um,. They've made it a little less formal and a little more fun. The players seem to be in it more, and they seem to be trying more and caring more. There's actual like real prizes and stuff for it too, which is really cool. And I think um, if you if you know who these players are the the two time defending champion now, the guy that won this year and last year, Pete Alonso, has really made it pretty great because you can tell that he like legit cares, and he's like almost to the point of like he's like not shit talking, but he's like it's almost like the Larry Bird thing. Like you're all playing for second place. This is this is me. Like this is mine. Yeah kind of thing and that's been great i don't know have you ever watched one of these oh ones? yeah i used to watch them back in the 90s a lot too whenever it was like mark mcguire and sammy sosa and like and griffey with the yeah, backwards hat I mean, those, yeah those were fun um i'm all about man hit ball far so you know <laughs> i'm in all right i really like these next two uh the tennis grand slams um underrated tennis is a great sport and more people should watch it i'm gonna go with that answer Same. mark 100 percent all right, the Grand Slam at Denny's. <laughs> Overrated Denny's I is love unplayable. They... Yeah, unplayable. Now, well, now that I've had Waffle actually... House, it just... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Waffle House destroys like, it, but I don't know if you guys have ever been drunk before and had Denny's the next morning. Like, well, have you heard I've had the, drunk that's my, that's my... Denny's at 3 a.m. Yeah, that's what you that's need. That's my theory why people like Waffle House, though. Is like they're yeah. just not oh, no, sober I that shit like sober. 90% of the time. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. It's like you and Toddy Anderson are like the only people who eat it sober. I eat Waffle House twice a week before I go in for verses. That explains a lot, by the way. Uh, Flackle says Huddle House. How do you feel about Huddle House? Delicious. I don't know what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, I don't think they have them in your part of the country. It's more of a southern thing. It's like a, it's like another Denny's or whatever. It's, it's obviously very good. It's a little underrated. Uh, Yeoman5 says Storybook Brawl. I haven't played it, but everything I've heard about it's been pretty good so far, so I'm going to go with underrated. Have either of you played it? Nope. Nope. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right, here we go. Here's a good one. Uh, Mark, I know you're going to you're gonna have a disagreement with us on this one. All-star games for the NBA, NFL, uh, NHL, and Major League Baseball. Um, so they don't, they don't give a shit. It's just like fan service. It's just like yeehaw, like let's have fun. Like the NHL one, it's like the score is like 27 to 26, and you're playing against like the most marquee goaltenders in the entire league. Um, and it's just, it's like, a, it's like a showcase for good scores. So like hockey is my, is my thing that I watch, but, right. uh, you know, it, it just comes down to like, do you agree or disagree with fan service? You know, like the NFL is like every, you know, nobody rushes the quarterback. Like he just, you know, like gets to sit in the pocket for 10 minutes, throw like a 90 yard bomb touchdown. And everybody's like, yeehaw. Yay. Yeah, I like pretty much agree. Uh, I pretty much I agree with you 100 percent through all of them. If you have to say like which one is like the most 
underrated of them. And like, obviously I'm going to have this opinion because I'm, I'm a baseball fan, but it's the one where they get to play the closest to the actual game. Because like you said, like in NHL, like they don't play defense NBA. They certainly don't play defense in the NFL. They don't tackle people. You know, they don't want to get hurt or anything like that. While in baseball, since like you're not tackling each other and stuff, and you're not physically having to play, you know what I mean? You have to play defense as part of the game. I find it's a little easier in that sport to play. So I'm going to go with uh, a little overrated on most of them to the point where I don't even watch them too much to, and to like medium for MLB. Yeah, that sounds about right. Though I wish that like the leagues would, would recognize this and just lean more into like small competitions. Like there should be a like fucking horse. Yeah. There should be a horse competition every year at the, uh, at the NBA All-Star Game, there should be like a one-on-one thing. They do the skills challenge, they do the three-point contest, the slam dunk contest. Those are the things that are really fun on All-Star Weekend. The actual game generally sucks. Yeah, that, that's how the NHL is. Like the skills competition, tons of fun to watch for me, but the actual games, I'm like... I've actually watched that and it's amazing. Yeah, it's, and I'm not a savvy. big... Like I don't get enough out of the NHL. And I, th- I thought, I was like, this is impressive because you get to actually see like how difficult what they're doing is, you know, yeah. kind of stuff. So, Do you remember in the 90s, in, over the summer, they used to do a, a quarterback skills challenge. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. were just broadcasting, like, August on a random weekend, and they'd get, like, eight quarterbacks to come in, and they did, like, a, you know, a long throw competition, uh, like, target hitting, and, you know, something where you have to, like, throw on the run. And there was like four or five different, you know, competitions that were each worth points and they did aggregate score. It was super fun. Like they should do shit like that over Pro Bowl weekend. It looked like something out of the county fair where you're like trying to hit targets that are moving and like spinning and stuff. Yeah, throw the ball in between the tire. Yeah, yeah. It looked like a you know the putt putt course. It has like the 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 windmill and you have to like throw it through the windmill to the receiver and stuff. Uh, sure. Uh, someone says uh, Waffle House and their All Star meal. Waffle House is underrated. 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 100%. I'm going to go Waffle House is overrated, and I will die on that hill. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I've done heroin, too. Like, it's fine. I I know what it's like. Uh, I'm not sure I understand this one, so hopefully you do. Mark, it seems like it might be up your alley. It says Hitmaker and Virtuoso Smash Mouth. What the fuck? Are they talking about, like, the actual band Smash Mouth? I think they're talking about the band. Oh. Yeah, but I I don't know what the rest of that stuff means, for sure. I mean... You know, they came out with a good song once. And when I say a good <laughs> yeah. song, I mean, like, their music is terrible. And everybody enjoyed their music from the movie Shrek. And Mystery Men is where All-Star came from. Mystery Men is an underrated movie, yeah, by the you way. You know, Janine Garofalo was, you know, was hilarious in that movie. Um, so that, that's what people don't remember is that All-Star came from the movie Mystery Men and back in 1999. Um, but... They they performed at an MLB All Star game and and uh, home run derby. And as their well. lead singer is like they a did. piece of shit. So yeah, is I'm he? gonna go All with right. overrated. Yeah, I feel I find like most of the people from that era, a lot of the singers have like just don't give them Twitter accounts. Um, so someone says Flavor Town and Guy Ferrari. I'm gonna go with underrated. He's like kind of like the Nickelback of like chefs, where like everyone hates him for some reason and rags on him, and you just don't know why. And I don't know about Nickelback, but Guy Ferrari is actually like a super cool and great dude like volunteers a lot of his time and money He's given away millions and, like and millions like of millions. dollars yeah the dude is like an actual like really great guy yeah <laughs> like all he does is want to try to make people's lives better and talk about great food and people just like to shit on him for some reason because he's like 
not pompous like some of these other chefs that are big time on TV or like not an asshole. You know? I mean, he's got like the flames on all his clothing and his frosted yeah. tips. Like he's Look, if easy you to make a really fun good of. Good meal. I don't give a shit what your hair looks like or what your shirt. You could wear a bowling outfit with you know a haircut from 1999. That looks like you were in the NSYNC band. Okay, I don't care. Yeah, I'm not saying they're right to do it. I'm just saying I understand. You don't have to sell me on somebody looking like the lead singer of Crazy Town. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a buyer already. So, <laughs> all right, let's do a few more just because they kind of they kind of lean into this. Uh, Crackle Cracker Barrel, the restaurant. Underrated. Mark? They have some of the best chicken and dumplings, and you can get anywhere. Period. Ross, I can't remember the last time I've been to a Cracker Barrel. I'm gonna go with overrated and it's like a it's like a thing um a lot of people here like to do on road trips for magic it's like you just get on the road and you stop at a cracker barrel some way and get like you know breakfast forever at any time and i don't think their food is horrible but it's, it's always like can we just do if we're gonna sit down at a restaurant can we just do anything else please you know but uh but but i, I can see the appeal and you know why it's great and stuff um ss squirrel says i hop uh overrated their pancakes are they're supposed to be their bread and butter and they're they're always they're always like too dry for me they taste they taste like bread and butter they're not very good (laughs) yeah overrated all right and i think that's about gonna do it for the overrated underrated for this week mark thanks so much for being on the show again obviously we had a lot of fun today uh you're always welcome but do me a favor. Tell me about where people can find you, uh, the best place for them to see some of your sales. You know, kind of pimp out your own stuff Word. here for a minute. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Dynamo Nestico. Um, it's under Selling Card Sucks as well, um, which it doesn't suck, surprisingly. It's actually a lot of fun. That's like your stick. That's like your thing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, you can find me mostly on Twitter. Um, I don't really use Facebook anymore because it's a cesspool of political propaganda. Um, and I don't really use Instagram very much because I don't like people knowing what my son looks like. So, uh, you know, you can pretty much find me on Twitter. That's, that's, that's where I'm, um, that's where I'm at mostly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was going to say, I, I just saw something that I actually wanted to bring up for like two seconds. So there's like another live thing pumping in before we get through here. Um, Mark, did you by any chance see the, uh, the charity thing that aspiring spike was doing with the, um, the secret layers that the, uh, in, like the magic influencers got. So a bunch of, uh, you know, like magic streamers and stuff like that, they got a, a secret layer recently and it has like the signets and a couple other things in them with like, you know, different art, but sorry, I don't know if you can hear my dog. She's getting, she, she wants to get fed. We'll be done in just a second. Um, so they recently, you know, they got these and you know the difference in foiling in MH2, and most people at home probably know what I'm talking about. There's like, you know, the normal kind of foiling, and then there's um, etched foiling. Well, if you buy them from Wizards, you're going to get etched. But the the few that went out to these these like specific people are not done the same way. They're like the the foiling that people prefer. You know, the usually the more expensive versions. And Spike auctioned his off for a charity, and they went for thirty seven hundred dollars. Nice. Yeah, so awesome thing for Spike to have to have done there. I wish we could have like you know brought him more attention to this while it was going on. Um, yeah, super cool. But these are also some pretty sweet collector items because these are like not one of a kind, but but boy are these uh, what's the right word? Pretty damn rare. Yeah. So yeah. 
Uh, Ross, if more people wanted to hear your rants about anything, where would they go? <laughs> Best place is my Twitter. I'm at Ross Hunted's. A uh, good place to just keep abreast of all my magic comings and goings and ask me questions. Uh, then there is my written content on Star City Games. Um, the My articles go up on Tuesdays. I actually did not write an article this week. Just had some writer's block and decided to take it off. So an article this week, but I'll be back next week. I did a factor fiction this week that's up now. Uh, and I'm doing the the what we'd play that uh, for modern that will be up uh, by the time y'all are seeing this. So still got some content out there this week. Um, then there is Versus Live, the web show I co-host twice a week with Corey Baumeister. We're on the Star City Games Twitch channel from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Just playing whatever is most relevant for people. So right now that's a lot of modern. Uh, you know, once we start getting towards rotation, we'll, we'll probably get more into standard. Um, and having a good time with it. If you can watch us live, that's great. We take questions straight from the audience. Uh, if you can't watch us live, then the VODs are will go up on the Star City Games YouTube channel the day after by 5 p.m. Eastern. And then lastly, that is my uh, my stream. I haven't streamed in a while. I plan on bringing it back in August uh, once I finish moving. And um, if you want to drop me a follow there on Twitch so you get the notification when I do return, I'd appreciate it. And I am Ross underscore Miriam on Twitch. Tannen, if people want inferior rants, maybe they can come to you. Where would they find them? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter under uh, at the Tannen Grace, and you can find me on Twitch under just Tannen Grace. Um, I haven't been streaming a lot lately because I haven't been a big fan of a lot of the sets that have been coming out, but. That randomly changes, and then I go, yeah, we're going to eat in a couple seconds. God, she's ready. She knows that we're uh, we're finished. I think she hears the different cadence in the voice and knows it's the end of the show. Um, does your son ever give you this kind of stuff, Mark? Oh, he's out there right now waiting for me to get off this so he can mess with me. Yeah, I got you. All right, we're going to get you going just now. So make sure you give us a follow there. You can follow the the actual show itself at MTG Rants. Uh, there's you know all kinds of links and great stuff on there. And make sure that you check out our sponsor. That's Barrister and Man, man with two N's. Uh, Barristerandman.com. Lots of really cool stuff on there. Um, really great stuff for presents for that special guy, girl, anyone in your life. Really cool, really cool things. And make sure that you use the code MTG Rants for 15% off at checkout. Uh, again, Mark. Thanks for being on Thank this you. week. This was a lot of fun. I feel like we need to start making this like semi-annual or something like that as well because I just have so much fun with you every time that I you're on to. here. And uh, absolutely, man. Again, thanks. And for everybody at home, hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you all next week. You stick, why don't you stick to writing? You're not a, <laughs> you're not a human who has feelings or opinions. <laughs>